Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. I am in Bali. You guys must think I'm in Bali all the time. It does feel like that for me also. Currently in Bali on a fitness retreat for one of our businesses, our gym called Helix Gym. And it is grueling. It is the best kind of grueling. So just so everybody knows, yes, we own a gym. No, I wouldn't call myself fit. Okay. I want to be very clear. I don't PT in the gym. I don't have really any involvement in the gym. The only involvement I have is key decision-making. I'm really big on client communication and helping out a little bit here and there with marketing. But for the most part, I am emotional support for Tim. And that business really honestly runs itself. The girls that we have working there with us are just so incredible. But the reality is that I'm not fit. And so coming to a camp like this is always a push. And it's so nice to be pushed out of your comfort zone, to be pushed to your limits physically, because we know that when you reach that physical threshold, that point where your body just says, I can't do anymore. We know that it's the mind that kicks in. We know that the mind can push harder than the body, right? And so you might be on your hundredth burpee and your body might be going, oh my God, you know, I can't do this. And the mind starts getting really, really loud. And I think what I love so much about these Bali retreats that we run, these fitness ones that we run, is that we get to watch people push past that limit, get out of that comfort zone, that spot where your body says, I don't want to do anymore. This is no longer comfortable for me. I'm actually not enjoying this pain. I'm not enjoying not being able to breathe very well. And then you see them go to another place and they get re-driven, reignited, a second wind, and they push further than they've ever pushed before. And then at the end, they're so proud of themselves because of what they were able to achieve, which was so much more than what they thought was possible. And it's not lost on me just how similar to business that actually is to be able to push past that threshold, that resilience barrier, that I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is too hard. And to be able to push past that, get that second wind, get the success that you were hoping for or pushing for, and then look back and be so damn proud of what you've achieved. It's really the same thing. And so we're loving being here on this fitness retreat. It's been so fun so far. I am talking today about what I would do differently if I was to start another business again tomorrow. I started up two businesses so far and Tim and I are currently working on a third together and we also have our other gym, Helix, as well. So altogether, we've had four business startups in the time that we've been together in the last six years. And knowing what I know now makes starting a new business so much easier. The skills that we've built, the knowledge that we have, the understanding of business that we have, it definitely makes it a lot easier now. Something that I've been hearing on social media and also just in conversations that I've been having with women is that a lot of people believe that your business won't make money for the first three to five years. And and honestly, I just, I don't believe it and I don't subscribe to that belief system because I literally prove the opposite with all four of the businesses that Tim and I have built. But also I prove the opposite with every single client that we work with. All of our clients make money in the first six months and all of them make profit as well because we're really big on that. That's why it's called the Purpose and Profit Mastermind, Right. And so I thought I'd record a podcast on what steps I'd take and what I'd do differently if I had to start a business again tomorrow so that hopefully if you're in the startup phase, you'll get something out of this. If you're thinking about starting another business, you'll get something out of this. Or if you currently have a business, but it's not where you want it to be, you might have missed some steps. And this could be a really cool opportunity for you to look back and and maybe get some insight on your blind spots. I do want to preface this with the fact that In your first few years of business, you are skill building. So 
you're learning all the lingo, the tools that you need to use, the programs, the systems, you're upskilling rapidly in things like marketing, sales, website building, branding, bookkeeping. And so it is a lot when you first get into business. And in those first few years, if it's your first ever business, like, girl, you just have to do your time. You have to do your time building the skills. But you don't have to do your time building the skills and being broke, okay? I don't subscribe to that belief system. I think you can do your time building the skills and learning and still charge people a learning price for you to learn while you're on the job, okay? I really believe there are only four main skills that you need to grow a successful business, and I think that they are marketing, sales, finance, and operations. And I really want to be very clear when I'm talking about operations, I'm talking about really people, how you manage people, how you grow people, how you put systems in place, how you have processes in place, those sorts of things to help you and the people that you work with run the business. So if I was to start again with the skills that I have now, here's what I do. And if you're listening and you hear some of this and you don't have these skills, well, now you know where to start. So the first thing that I would do is pick an industry that I knew was set to grow. I think that in my first few businesses, Um, I wasn't particularly passionate about my first business. It had an incredible why behind it, which is so important. But I really believe that you don't necessarily have to be in love with the work that you do, but you have to be in love with the results that you get people, okay? And then what I'm talking about there is like, I love empowering women. That's my thing. I want to help all women make shitloads of money, create the lifestyle they've always dreamed of. And I really believe that because I came from nothing and I was able to do this with zero skills and zero background in business and zero money behind me, that if I can do it, you can do it too. And that is no matter what I teach, whether that's going to be wealth creation, whether that's business, whether that's mindset, it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. It comes back to that why. That's really what I'm passionate about in this lifetime. And there's a lot of things that I can talk about to help women realize that. Okay. But I could do a business tomorrow that was helping them build out email marketing systems or email funnels or copywriting or any of those things, because I'm not necessarily in love with the work but I'm incredibly in love with the results that it's going to help somebody achieve. And so I would pick an industry that I knew was set to grow. And the fastest way to find those industries is going to be really obvious, but it's Google. Okay. So if you just go to Google and you type in industries that are set to grow in 2023, there'll be a heap of articles that point you in the same direction. Most of them, I've looked it up already. Most of them are pointing in the same direction. There's a lot of really detailed data analysis in some of the presentations and some of the research that's been done on this that you can really dive into if you want to. But I would be picking an industry that was set to grow. And the reason I'll be picking that industry is because I like fast growth. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be slogging it out for a little while. I want to know that it's going to work and it's going to work fast. Okay. So I would be picking an industry that was set to grow. Then I would find a niche angle to enter the market with. So let's say that I was going to set up systems for women so that they could create an automated lifestyle and fall in love with their lives without having to do all of the work. Let's say that was the thing that we were going for. The angle, the niche that I come in at, which I haven't seen online yet, is the no jargon, full training, no hidden fees angle, right? And I really think the big thing there is no jargon because systems people love coming in and telling you all about the system and how much they know about the system. And honestly, it just overwhelms the audience. It overwhelms the person listening, makes them feel dumb and like they're never going to be able to control it or understand it. And so for me personally, I would come in and I would have the no jargon version of that. I'd be like, let's make systems really simplified. Let's break it down so it's easy for you to understand. Let's provide you a full detailed training that is super fast and super simple and only covers the things that you need to know. And then let's not add any hidden fees because I know those can creep up really quickly and I want people to feel safe. 
So I would find a niche angle to enter the market with, something that no one else is doing, something that I know that I'd be really good at. Okay. By the way, I'm not starting up a systems business, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) The next thing that I would do is I would pick something that didn't require a lot of overheads to start. All of our businesses so far that we have run, other than the gym, but even the gym, honestly, We've started out small with a bigger end goal in mind, but all of the small startups, like we didn't start a gym and get into a facility straight away. We didn't start a gym and hire the biggest facility we possibly could and need to hire 10 team members on day one and have to make back all of our investment on day one. That wasn't what we we did. Tim started from his garage and then he moved, as he still got enough clients in his garage, he moved into a small facility. Then as he outgrew the small facility, he moved to a bigger facility. And it's been like that every transition of Helix that we've had. We're now on Helix 3.0 or 4.0, I think. So I would pick something that didn't require a lot of overheads to start. My coaching business didn't require a lot of overheads to start. My house of hobby business didn't require a lot of overheads to start. The other business that we're starting hasn't required very many overheads to start, okay? There's always going to be startup costs. You are going to have to, you know, get your company set up or your business set up, your ABN. You're going to have to invest in things like branding and websites and those sorts of things. There is going to be an initial upfront investment, but some of these businesses that I see people pitching have a much bigger upfront investment. Like I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars before it's even a proven concept. For me personally, that's not the way that I would go. I would start small and grow big fast. That would be my goal. The next thing I would do is I would make sure that I knew my numbers early. So I see this go wrong in almost every business that I coach and it's something that we teach. But the thing that you need to understand first and foremost is what is your break even going to be? For the money that you have to invest to get this business off the ground, at what point will you break even? At what point will you have enough clients that you're able to not only pay that money back, but continue to run the business? What's your break-even point? What's your profit margin? So at what point do you start making profit? Because we know that in the initial period, sometimes we don't make profit straight away because we're reinvesting back into the business or we're paying off debts or whatever it is. At what point will you make profit and what is your profit margin once you start making profit? So really understanding the cost of delivering your service and how much profit you make. Guys, there was an episode on profit margin way back. So go and listen to that if you're unsure. And then last but not least, what is my maximum capacity? Businesses so rarely go into business thinking about their maximum capacity. Most, especially female business owners, will go into business honestly doubting that they'll even reach a position where they have a max capacity. They just don't even think they're going to be able to get off the ground fast enough. And I'm telling you right now that if you join our mastermind, as an example, you will hit max capacity and you will hit it fast. And max capacity is one of the fastest ways to kill a business. Because once you're at max capacity, and if you exceed maximum capacity, that means that your quality of service drops, your ability to deliver on time drops, the owner becomes massively overwhelmed and exhausted and burnt out and so can no longer service the business at all. And that is how you do the opposite of creating raving fans. That's how people start talking smack about your business and word of mouth travels really fast. So know your max capacity for the amount of hours that you're able to work in that week. How many hours can you dedicate to client work? And then how many clients will that actually allow you to take on? So understanding your break-evens, your profit margins, and your maximum capacity. The next thing I would do is focus on building my brand and audience early. One thing that I have loved, two things that I've loved 
is Bossy Copy has a tone of voice document, which is so cool. I think that you can get it through one of her copy courses. But sitting down and really figuring out, it does a full competitor analysis. It really allows you to sit down and figure out where you sit in the market, what your mission, your vision, your values are, the kinds of phrases that you'll use, the kinds of tone of voice that you'll step into for your brand. You'll notice that our brand is a lot of like, yeah, boss babe and hell yes and yas queen and things like that. And we are actually transitioning out of that at the moment and into a bit more of a new and authentic brand voice. But that is something that I would recommend getting down really, really early in. Because if you have a strong brand, your ability to be noticed, build no like and trust and grow your business is going to happen so much faster. So I would focus on building your brand and your audience early. So I've said it many, many times before. With House of Hobby, I didn't have an audience and I had to build one. It took me a little while to build one. Not that long though, maybe nine months before I was able to quit my day job. So I was already doing quite well. I built my audience by creating raving fans in House of Hobby. In my second business, I already had raving fans. So my audience was already built to the next level. So I would focus on really building that audience, that know, like, and trust factor by providing heaps of free content, heaps of support, making sure you really over deliver on customer service so that people are talking about you. Okay. The next thing that I would do is plan out my 100-day client journey. And what a 100-day client journey is, is a plan for your client's first 100 days of working with you. Now, that might not be relevant for every industry. So for example, if you have a one-off service like branding, that might not be the case, but you will still have a client journey within that that might only be 30 days or 90 days. But I will plan out exactly what that first 100 days or 30 days looks like for my client so that I know that I'm getting them not only the result they've asked for, but it's done in a way that's so professional, so caring, and makes them feel so loved that they end up telling their friends about me, speaking on social media about us and recommending us. Because I know that if we do customer service really well, marketing is not going to be as much of a hassle because I'm going to get heaps of word of mouth. Then I would sit down and I would create my fuck yes offer. So that offer that is that perfect point where it's value stacked to the moon, where people are like, oh, that sounds so good. I really need this in my life. It's going to be crazy if I don't take you up on this offer. I would create a heck yes offer. And then I would build a pitch deck for it because you need to be able to sell it. And if you're going to be able to sell something, you need to have a sales deck for it. Okay. So I would build my sales deck for it. And this is something that we teach in our mastermind. We teach them how to create heck yes offers. We teach people how to create sales decks because you should not be going into a sales conversation with no structure. Okay. It doesn't have to be a script, but it needs to be a structure. It needs to be something that guides the audience through. And there's a whole heap of psychology around this. It needs to be something that guides the audience through a journey to help see if you're the right decision. And I'm really big on not selling somebody for the sake of selling them. We're not psychologically manipulating people. We're helping them to see if this is the right decision for them. And also if they're the right person for us. So I would build a pitch deck and then I would do my first few clients for cheap or for free. And that is arguable. A lot of people will be like, why? Why would you do that? We're currently rolling out a fourth business at the moment and we're doing it for free for a couple of people so that we can get proven results. Because we know that if we get proven results, we're going to get more clients. We're going to get more word of mouth. We're going to be able to build that no like and trust so much faster. And while we learn and while we figure it out, we don't want to have any hassle of having to feel bad for charging money, right? Or for something that we don't know and haven't yet learned. So, you might not have the capacity to do it for free, but then do it for cheap. Get some runs on the board. Get some proof under your belt. Get people raving about you. Then you can increase the price and then you can get more people in the door. I would literally put myself in physical locations 
that I know my ideal clients would be. So if you're wanting to work with female business owners, as an example, I would be going to female business networking events. If you're wanting to work with people in media, then I would be going to media events. If you're wanting to work with lawyers, then I would be going to bars or places where lawyers hang out or events on LinkedIn where there are going to be a lot of lawyers. Okay, I would be putting myself in physical locations that I know my ideal clients would be in the hopes that I'm able to strike up a conversation with somebody and they'll ask me what I do and I'll be able to tell them a little bit about my business and then they'll be like intrigued to know more and then we'll be able to tee up a time to have a coffee and talk about it. Okay. Physical one-to-one face-to-face interaction is going to build no like and trust 10 times faster than anything will online. So if you can get in front of somebody, do. And then I would also, last but not least, focus on delivery. So I've spoken about it a few times within this. Customer service, customer support, customer journey is number one on my priority list of how we can grow our businesses fast, but also make sure that people are happy. And it also feeds into my beautiful people-pleasing thing, which I spoke about two episodes ago on how to 10x my business. It allows me to feel really comfortable knowing that people are happy and that makes me happy, right? And so one thing I would look at if you're focusing on delivery is looking at the five love languages. The five love languages are touch, they are quality time, gift giving, words of affirmation, and another one, okay? (laughs) So look into the five love languages that are touched on. And I would try and touch on them somewhere in my client journey. So maybe not touch. (laughs) That might be a bit difficult for an online business coaching program, but all of the other ones, we want to make sure that people feel loved and that no matter what their love language is, because there's no point in going to a client telling them how great they are if their love language is actually gifts. There's no point sending somebody a gift if they don't even care about gifts and all they want to do is hear about how great they are or they want to spend some quality time with you, okay? You'd rather give someone a one-to-one than a gift if that's their love language, okay? So understanding your client's love languages, making sure that you have a touch point of each, as many love languages as you can throughout the client journey to make them feel loved. And then the last thing I would look at for focus on delivery is, of course, automating and systemizing, but also on this more soft skills portion of delivery, I would also look at Tony Robbins, the six human needs. Okay. And you can go on to Google, Google it, Tony Robbins, the six human needs. He really talks about the things that humans need from everything in life and definitely from business, from businesses they work with. Things like they need certainty that they're going to get an outcome, but they also need variety. So it needs to be changed up regularly. Otherwise they're going to get bored right? There's a lot of other things in there. So go and have a look at the Tony Robbins six human needs and make sure you're touching on those as well within your business. These are the things that I would do if I had to start again tomorrow. So to summarize, I would pick an industry that I knew was set to grow. I'd find a niche angle to enter the market with. I'd pick something that didn't require many overheads to start. I would know my numbers early. So profit margins, break-evens, and max capacity. I would focus on building my brand and my audience early. I'd plan out my 100-day client journey. I would create fuck yes offers. I would build a pitch deck and a sales deck. I would run it for cheap or free until I had proven results. And I'd put myself in physical locations I knew my ideal clients would be. And last but not least, focus on delivery. If you are starting a business and you're at ground zero, these are things I'd do. If you're already building and you've missed some of these critical steps, then girl, you know exactly where to focus on. And if you're ready to make 2023 your biggest year yet, you know that I am so down to support you. We would love to have you in our Purpose and Profit Mastermind. Or if you just have some business questions that you love answered, please dive into my DMs. They're always open. I'm so down to support you and would love to hear from you. 
If you love this episode, I would love it if you would screenshot it, put it on your stories, tag me on social media, drop into my DMs, tell me about it. I'd love to know what you loved. I want to keep making content that hits home for you. So please tell me what you're loving. Please tell me what you want more of. I'd love to give that to you. Guys, have a beautiful day. It was so nice to be in your ears today. Babe, thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz. 